0: Seidel. swats it to McDavid, the German gets it right back, penalty coming up to the Canes, drive with the set-up, huge save Frederick Anderson as he robs Darnell Nurse. Now back to the blue line, Chatfield, Svechnikov, the Teravainen, they score! Oh, tic-tac-toe, turbo, it's 1-0 Carolina. Back to Aho, the bumper sends it across, Trocek, Teravainen, oh they score! Play. boy. Gaines played off of the glass. It's kept in and worked back down low for Zach Hyman. Hyman tries to stuff Chance, Anderson holds the door. Big save by Fred Drysidle with it. Tries to feather it across. Excellent back check by Svechnikov. game though, gets to a loose puck. Shea's back there to pop it free. Now McDavid comes up with a puck. He's watched by Slavin along the boards. Now it's McDavid and Drysidle, and Smith is headed to the bench for the extra attacker. Drysidle sends it right into the slot, and Anderson with a big save is cutting in was McLeod. Shea got a huge piece of it, a huge piece of it. What a back check from Svetsnikov on a puck that would have been on the tape of McDavid. Eleven seconds remaining here. Now a chance for Kane. That's thrown wide. Drysidle gets to it. Five seconds left in the game. Drysidle out in front. Ryan can't control it. Kanes will clear it from Stahl and put this one in into- the on a Sunday afternoon against the Edmonton Oilers and sweep the season series with Edmonton two games to none. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's your host Adam Gold.
1: Welcome to the Cades Corner podcast. I'm Adam Gold. How you doing? I thought Mike Maniscalco was going to steal from Ken Hawk Harrelson. You can put it on the board. Something like that. I don't know. He used to do that at the end of White Sox games or maybe it was a home run. I don't know. Uh, I apologize uh, to anybody who was offended by that. Uh, We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Siding, roofing, windows, doors. They got it all. Uh, So go check them out online. Aluminumcompany.com. Canes 2, Edmonton 1. Carolina sweeps the season series from the Oilers. They've pretty much owned playoff teams from the Western Conference. Uh, Just from that division. Swept Edmonton. Swept Calgary. I think Calgary's great, though. Swept Vegas. I don't think Vegas is nearly as good as Calgary. Yes, Vegas is hurt. Uh, Beaten, I think they swept the Kings, too, right? I think they played the Kings twice already. Beat Anaheim. Uh, 1-0-1 against San Jose. Split, uh, I've I've taken one, uh, well, anyway. They've just owned the West. Have not played Colorado yet. Beat St. Louis once. Didn't beat Minnesota, but they'll have uh, the Wild coming in. The uh, Hurricanes. I mean, they've only lost eleven times in regulation, so played <laughs> played fifty-two games, uh, and forty-one of them uh, have a, had something that resembled a positive result. So, uh, we'll uh, you know. But the Western Conference has not been too much of a problem for Carolina, and I don't really think Edmonton is all that great. But we'll talk about that uh, in just a minute. Uh, we're we're going to be uh, quick through the game to the goals, and then we'll get to a little bit of a uh, an audio mailbag, if you will, uh, because we have some questions from folk, and we're going to work them into the conversation here. Uh, so uh, so there you go, and uh, let's get this thing under uh, underway. I thought the Carolina played a an excellent dominant first period. Got rewarded for it. 2 0. Started off weird, right? Connor McDavid scores less than a minute in. But uh Warren Fogle. Yes, that Warren Fogle. Significantly offside. I happen to be listening to Alec Campbell uh during the intermission and Alec said he was he, he was already in Garner. <laughs> he was that offside. He was significantly off. I mean, he really was. Uh to the point where I really thought that if Carolina was going to do a video for Warren Fogle in the first uh, media timeout that they would have had to have worked that in because I don't know that Warren Fogle ever like denied goals scored against Carolina like he did just there. I'm I'm making a joke, but uh, Fogle came back and was still helping his buddies out. So we want to thank Warren Fogle for that. The first of two disallowed goals on the day. We'll get to the other one in a minute. But that happened basically a minute in. Uh, A few minutes later, Carolina started to feel the game. It was wacky for a while. And by the way, the first period was just completely filled with penalties. Uh, There were uh, coincidental minors. There was, uh, you know, Carolina had the first power play. Then there was matching minors. And then while it was four on four, Brady Shea goes off for four minutes for a high stick that, uh, I guess rearranged part of Connor McDavid's mouth. I, look, I don't know what happened, but he gave him a four minute minor. Uh, Carolina ended up killing off the four on three and then the rest of the five on four. Penalty kill was great today, four for four. Uh, continues to be great. And the truth is, is that Edmonton wasn't even really dangerous on the power play. I mean, they really weren't. It wasn't like uh, the game against. Um, was at Columbus on Friday where I don't think Columbus had a shot on goal on uh, three or four power play tries. But uh, Edmonton, who has a great power play, 27% on the year, uh, Carolina just shut them down today. Um, but sometimes, it's why when we get to the old question, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a great kill or a great power play? Me? I'd always rather have a great kill, to be honest. Um, Carolina happens to have both. They got a power play goal today. Second game in a row without a power play with a power play goal without Tony D'Angelo. So I'll joke again with Rod when I talk to him uh, before the game on Tuesday in Detroit. Guess you don't really need Tony. It worked once, right? Uh, anyway, so the Hurricanes dominate the rest of the period to the point where uh, the numbers, the analytical numbers, uh, look. I mean, gross. 16-8 shots on goal, 16-9 scoring chances, 7-3 great A's. Carolina was just significantly better. Second period, got off to a good start. Carolina got the first goal, about three minutes in. Tremendous defensive play by Sebastian Aho in the defensive zone to break up, break up a play by Zach Hyman. It starts the other way. Uh, Puck gets up to Tara Vinen, who throws just a Gorgeous, no-look pass across the ice to Brett Pesci, uh, who snaps one high over Mike Smith. It's 3 nothing, except that Andrei Svechnikov was offside. Two disallowed goals today. Uh, and the, the funny thing is, from that point on, I felt like Edmonton controlled the entire period. They scored less than a minute and a half later. Derek Ryan, of course. And uh, they, Carolina was probably fortunate to not... Give up another goal. Freddie Anderson was great. He was great all game, but he was great in the second period. And they go to the third, and Carolina's trying to s- basically survive. And the third period was just a weird, dull period. There was just a lot of movement between the 20s. There just wasn't a lot. There there were not a lot of scoring chances at all. And, I mean, uh, the truth is, is that um, Edmonton only had four scoring chances, one grade A. The entire third period. It was a quiet third period. Um, And again, I'm not entirely sure the Oilers are that good. You know, they've got McDavid, they've got Drysidel. Kane is obviously a good player. After that, what do they have? It's there's not a lot there. Zach Hyman's a good player. No question. He's not as good when he's not playing with McDavid, although we played with McDavid today. It was actually McDavid, Fogel, and Hyman on the top line. Dry Seidel and Kane, and I don't remember who was playing as the third forward. I mean, Derek Ryan's a third-line center for them. So it's just not that good of a team in terms of, you know, how do they stack up in the West? Like, I realize they have those two guys up top, But I'm not even sure they're a playoff team, to be perfectly honest. If they are, it's only because the bottom uh, or the middle of the West is just not very good. I think maybe that's really where we are. Uh, Colton Sevier was playing with uh, Dreisaitl and Evander Kane. All right, let's go through the game. We already told you that the Oilers had a goal waved off. McDavid, great goal. Fogle, in too soon. Sorry, no goal. So we pick up the action, eleven fifty-seven of the first, Carolina, with some nifty passing.
0: Now back to the blue light. Chatfield. Svetch the cup. Terrible, and they score! Oh, tic-tac-toe, turbo! It's one nothing, Carolina.
1: Chatfield was actually part of the initial play that led to the goal as well. As Carolina got the puck deep, Chatfield was in below the goal, actually went all the way around behind the goal before sort of drifting back out uh, to the point. Uh, Aho ends up with the puck. He sends it up. He was on the uh, the right side of the goal. Uh, Ajo sends the puck up top to Chatfield, who passed it, just to the left side of the goal to Svechnikov, who did not even hesitate. He just flipped the pass right back to Turbo in the high slot and Taravon and roofed it. It's 1-0 Carolina. There was a pattern to both Carolina's goals, and I'm not sure that wasn't by design, and we'll get to them. Uh, Carolina would go on the power play about four minutes later, and Sebastian Ajo's 23rd
0: ensued. Back to Ajo. The bumper sends it across. Trocek, Teravine. Oh, They score! Boy. Yeah,
1: the the entire play was gorgeous. Passing, uh, Slavin gets it. He walks it over to the the, the middle of the point. Uh, he passes it to Teravainen. Uh, you know, above the left circle, he goes to Aho in the middle. Aho goes to Svechnikov all the way on the right side, inside the circle, just below the top of it. He goes the seam pass route to Teravainen, who drifts down low just for a. St- a split second and then d- drops it right to Aho in the slot and that's a goal both goals low i would say low to high but low to slot and easy easy putaways for first Terravine at his 15th then from then to Aho his 23rd another power play goal Aho's doing incredible work on the power play And that bumper position, and I like to call it, I shouldn't even call it a bumper, it's the Braden Point position because during the playoffs, we saw Braden Point live right there in the middle of the ice, and that's where Sebastian Ajo's doing great work. They have the same agent, so maybe that's a thing. Um, Anyway, uh, Ajo's 23rd from Turbo and Svech, Taravondin's 15th from Svech, and Jalen Chatfield, who played well again, although he didn't play a ton, uh, but that's all right. I love that kid. I think he's going to be dynamite for for Carolina. Uh, he's going to be a very low cost option on the, on the third pair. That's what he's going to be going forward. A low cost option. They have him for two years at not a lot, and then maybe it'll cost more money. But you'd hope you hope that's the case. I hope he's do a huge raise in three years. Anyway, so Carolina leads two nothing after one, and then they get the next goal too early in the third
0: into the cane zone. What a defensive play by Sebastian Ajo. He's already had two in this period. One shorthanded in there. Now Pesci. He's going to see these. He scores! A lightning bolt from Brett Pesci. And it's 3-0 Carolina. And-
1: okay. So it didn't count because Svechnikov could not stay side. He was straddling the line and he was trying to stay on but he just couldn't. Uh, but the play was beautiful. First of all, Ajo starts at a defensive end. He's behind Hyman. He avoids getting the stick up on the gloves. Uh, he knocks Hyman off the puck, starts it the other way. Teravainen brings it into the offensive zone and then just throws a no look wrap around cross ice pass right on Pesci's tape. Teshi finish it. Pesci finishes because you know that's Brett Pesci. That's what he does, and but it doesn't count. Because Svechnikov is off. But it was a beautiful play. And all I could think of was, huh, Carolina turned the game around after the disallowed goal. You know, Rod Brindamore, they went to video review. Boom. Overturned. No goal. Edmonton did the same thing. And I thought, man, if this is overturned, I wonder if Edmonton is going to have a little turnaround here.
0: Puck goes back to the point. The shot can't get through. Derek Ryan with a block. Ryan with a step makes a move and he scores. Derek Ryan's fourth goal in two games. The hat trick yesterday. And the former Carolina Hurricane gets the Oilers on the board here. It's a 2 1 hockey game in favor of Carolina.
1: So Derek McRyan now has eight goals on the season. Uh, he blocks the shot. He takes it all the way. Cole recovered enough uh, that if he wanted to, you know, draw, drag Ryan down, maybe, you know, get a penalty shot out of it, Uh, he could have done that. Uh, Or he could have just committed a penalty, uh, which might have been a penalty shot anyway, simply because uh, Ryan was ahead of the play. Uh, But Cole just thought he could bother him enough. But, ah, man, it was a great move by Ryan, who goes backhand Uh, between the pads and it is 2-1 and Edmonton was the better team uh, for the duration of the second period. Uh, But we get to the third and it was relatively low event. How about this? Canes had 16 shots on goal in the first, 13 the rest of the way. They had 16 scoring chances in the first, 13 the rest of the way. Seven grade A scoring opportunities in the first. Three. The rest of the way, and all three of those were in the third period. It was, I mean, it just stopped being an offensive game, and it became a game you would not expect Carolina and Edmonton to play. A um, couple of things, uh, quick before we get to your questions, because that's why we'll do we'll do uh, standings first. Then we'll do the questions. I know they flashed up on the screen the the head to head Aho and. Uh, McDavid. Now, they haven't always played uh, together since I was here because McDavid has been hurt at times. Uh, But they have now played it, I believe, nine games against each other. So in the nine games against Carolina, Connor McDavid has a goal and seven assists. So eight points in nine games, which for him is bad. (laughs) That's how good he is. Eight points in nine games. For Aho, in those nine games, I forget how many assists he had. He had a bunch, but he had—he now has eight goals in those nine games. Aho has drastically outplayed McDavid, head to head. This is—this is not a big picture. Aho is better than McDavid. It's just—it is—it's those little things that you don't think matter, but do. Aho, when he sees Jack Eichel, when he sees Connor McDavid, when he sees guys drafted ahead of him, it's just, he just turns the juice up just a little bit more. I thought Aho was great today. Great today. Uh, but there was a lot of great, especially on that top line. Uh, Carolina's best two lines were the Ajo line. And I thought Stahl, Nino, and uh, Faust were great again today. Uh, the other two lines were not... Uh, I thought the other two lines were very suspect today. And I know they flipped Trocek and Kotkaniemi. And here's my feeling. I think they dropped... I think they dropped both wingers off Trocek's line. Because I, I thought... I, th- I didn't think Nature's was very good today at all. And Jarvis was kind of not noticeable. But Trocek... I think Trocek was fine, but... I didn't think either of his wingers played very well. So they gave Trochek two guys who were playing well, Lawrence and Martinuk. And it was it's a pretty good fourth line if you think about it. You're setting that line over the wall as a fourth line. They didn't play a ton. Uh, Kokaniemi, I think, had just under seven minutes of ice time today. Um, but that line didn't play well. That line had been playing well. Uh, but I thought Martinuk was good again today. Lawrence was good again today. Uh, But the top line was great. The stall line was its usual self. And, oh, by the way, Slavin and Pesci and Shea and Chatfield and Bear, uh, Cole. I mean, defense was great. Defense was great. Freddie Anderson was dynamite. Uh, All right, quick look at the standings, and then we'll go to questions. Uh, In the Metropolitan Division, Hurricanes, 78 points in 52 games, 37, 11, and 4. Carolina's now won five in a row quietly. Uh, Pittsburgh is next. Pittsburgh beat Columbus. They scored two goals in the last 10 minutes. Uh, Malkin and Crosby, the tying and game-winning goals. So Pittsburgh now has 74 points, so they're four points behind Carolina. But the Hurricanes have three games in hand. New York lost to Vancouver. They are seven points back. Washington has lost two straight. The Capitals are 13 points behind Carolina, and the Canes have two games in hand. And Carolina will be in Washington on Thursday. Uh, Florida has now lost three straight. As we look at the Atlantic Division, they have 75 points. Carolina has a game in hand and a three-point cushion on Florida. Tampa Bay, uh, who just defeated Nashville in the outdoor game. Did you like the uniforms there? They were sweet. Uh, The the Lightning go to uh, Nashville, win outdoors. It's cold. It's cold in Nashville. Uh, Tampa's got 74 points, and they have a game in hand. Uh, but Carolina leads them by four. Toronto has 72 points, uh, and they've won two straight. uh, The Maple Leafs and Hurricanes have played the same amount of games. Boston, who has now won four in a row, has 66 points. They have also played 52 games. Coming up for Carolina at Detroit on Tuesday, at Washington on Thursday, home against Pittsburgh on Friday, and then Sunday, the John Forslund game. Kraken will be at PNC Arena Sunday night. I'm going to say this, and we're going to talk to John uh, on the podcast this week, uh, also on the show. Uh, I believe this will be a very, very emotional and, I'm going to say it, difficult time for our friend John Forsland I do. I think it's going to be incredibly hard for him. If I know anything about the Hurricanes. Uh, Because they they just, they gave uh, Peter Mraz got a video, right? I mean, they might take the entire first intermission and do a video for John. And I don't know if John's going to want it, to be honest. You know, obviously, we all know it was not, it was not a happy departure. So, but it's going to be an emotional time, I think. So, uh, we're going to try to comfort our friend John Forslund. All right, so we're going to probably do this again in the future. So uh, I opened up my DMs. We got a handful of questions in. Uh, and as we get more comfortable doing this, we'll get more questions in. Uh, but you can you ask about anything you want. And there you go. Let's get to the first question.
0: Hey, Adam Gold. This is Sam Wallace from the Caniac Report. And I have a question about uh, Vincent intro He's going to be a UFA at the end of this season. And I was wondering... If we let him go, do we possibly circle back to signing Derek Stepan? Thanks. Let's go, Canes. All
1: right, Sam. Uh, all right. In terms of if we let Vincent Trochek go, first of all, I'd love to be able to keep Trocek. I think he fits so well with what this team does. A, they desperately need a right faceoff guy. Desperately need a right-handed faceoff guy. And that guy can't be somebody like a Natchez or a Jarvis, who, A, are wingers who don't normally take face so they're never going to be great at it. Um, and I, mean, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll get to the Natchez and Jarvis part of this in a minute. I would love to be able to keep Trocheck. Um, if they don't keep Trocek, could they keep Stepan? Yeah, I think they could. As a matter of fact, I think there's a fair chance if Trocek is gone, that Stepan does come back. And I wouldn't be against Stepan coming back anyway. I don't think he's going to be an expensive player. But here's my feeling on Trocek. And this kind of gets into another element here. Um... And and that's yes, Barry Konyami. when given more responsibility, when forced to play a higher role on the uh, on the center depth chart, has been excellent. So he's he has shown you what you know a lot of what he could be. When I watch Konyami play, even though I see a very good player, I'm, this is not a knock on Konyami. I wonder. Will he ever be as good as Trochick? And that's the question I'm asking. So I'm thinking about going forward. Will Kokuniemi ever be as good as Vincent Trochick? Because I don't know that the answer is yes. I think that's his ceiling. I don't see him as being a a 70-point-a-year guy. Do you? Anyway, so I would... If I had to, and I guess it's gonna, this is gonna dovetail into another conversation, but I would really consider if you could get Trocek at a three-year deal. Trocheck's, uh, I think, cap hit now is just under five. His cap hit is four point seven five, but his salary this year is six point two, so it's going to be hard to bring Trocheck back on a deal that pays him less than 6.2. But, if he was willing to sign a deal uh, three times five, three times five and a half, and I was Carolina, I would do that and consider moving Kokaniemi. Personally. That's the way I would do it. Because I think Trocek is a perfect fit for this team. He's a guy you don't like to play against. Not that He's a killer, but he's just he's under your skin. He's great in the faceoff circle. Plays in every situation. I would try to figure out a way to keep him. And maybe they keep both. I don't know. Uh, there are some options coming forward. But anyway, uh if they don't keep Trochik, I think they will try to keep Stepan. Uh but that's uh that was a long answer to one question. All right, we move on.
0: Hey, Adam, love the show.
1: If the Canes are going to go get a top four defenseman or get some secondary scoring, what
0: assets are they willing to part with?
1: All right, Bryce. Um, both of those things are needed, one more than the other. Uh, I I was incredibly outspoken and persistent last year about Carolina not adding a defenseman. I wanted them to. I thought they had, they had no choice but to add depth to the defenseman Not just Depp, but somebody who would play to the blue line. I'm just going back very quickly. The last thing you wanted to see in the playoffs was Jake Bean having to play in a top four role in double overtime. Can't have it. Guess what happened? Yes. Jake Bean had to play in a top four role in double overtime. In Nashville. Twice. So, uh, ultimately, Carolina made the decision last year that rearranging the deck chairs was fine. Uh, did it cost them? They weren't better than Tampa anyway. Uh, so it's hard to say. But this year, and this is not about Tony's injury, I've been saying it for a long time. I believe they need somebody who can play in their top four, not that he would play in Carolina's top four, but that he could. Somebody good enough to, to be a top four defenseman. Right now, when they're healthy, Slavin D'Angelo, Pesci, Shea, fine. Fine. But I will also say that Bear, Cole, Bear, Cole, whatever combination of Bear, Cole, and Smith is too slow to play in the playoffs together. So at that point, you might have to separate Slavin and D'Angelo, or even Pesci and Shea at times, And have somebody who can skate and play with Cole or play with Bear or play with Smith. And, of course, all of this would be uh, remedied if you went out and got a top-four defenseman. Uh, Depth scoring, entirely dependent upon this. What are Natchez and Jarvis doing? I've lost track of how many games it's been since they have scored a goal. Now there have been times and I thought against Columbus Natchez was very good and played actually a couple of games in a in a row at a high level. But he was not good today. Jarvis was not noticeable today. And they're getting no production out of them. The the right wings are not scoring anymore. Other than Tavo Tervidor who's now back on right wing. Uh you know the the scoring had been coming from uh cuz Tavo had been playing the left, the only right wings to score were Fost and Stepan. So, they need production out of the right side. If, if you're not going to get it from Natchez or Jarvis, then you have to add it. You have to go out and add it. This is, this team should be good enough to compete for and win a Stanley Cup. Like, we can say Tampa's the best team in the East until somebody beats them. But, Carolina has beaten Tampa once this year. I'm not saying that means that much, but I think they're as good as Tampa. The difference is they have Vasilevsky and they have Hedman, not to mention Kucherov when he comes back. Actually, I think Kucherov is back. Uh, Stamkos. Point. I mean, they're loaded, right? Uh, but I mean, the Hurricanes are too. So we'll see. Uh, but whether they we've got like two and a half weeks to figure out if Carolina needs to, eat, needs to add another forward. Somebody who can put the puck in it. Because right now, Natchez and Jarvis are not. Uh, Alright, let's, uh, let's move on.
0: How much would you give for Klingberg? Because I'm not going I'm not giving a roster player and we don't have a first. So is it looking like Suzuki in a third? Do you do that deal? long what like kind of where what are your barriers who is your untouchables All right good question from Graham um
1: what would i give up for John Klingberg what are the assets to give away no first round pick this year next year's first round pick is a big deal because next year's draft is supposed to be ridiculously good uh, but if you're Carolina and you're uh you know you're a good team how good a pick that is, is that it's still probably you know, in the 20s at worst, if you think about it, Carolina should be a playoff team for a number of years, right? Uh, and plus, Rod Brendon Moore is going to be the coach. Unless they win a Stanley Cup and maybe he retires. Uh, anyway, so I think that that is a, a valuable piece to give away. I don't think they're going to give up anybody off this roster who is vital to winning a Stanley Cup. So if I was going to name players off this roster that are expendable I would say that would be Kokodemi that would be Bear um I think it's a long shot that anybody gets moved off the roster um I don't think they would trade Ian Cole off this roster uh I I really don't think they'll trade anybody off the roster um, prospects in the minor leagues, they really don't have anybody that I think is so attractive. Maybe the biggest attractive piece is uh, Morrow, the, uh, the, the, their first pick, which was the second round of this past year. Uh, the kid at uh, UMass right now is having a great year. Uh, so maybe it's him. Uh, Maybe it's, you know, one of the finish forwards, Koivinen, or, I don't know, like a Jamison Reese is a pest. Ryan Suzuki, I just think the medicals won't work for him because he had the eye injury, even though he's he's still got a lot of promise and is still a prospect. I just don't think it's quite as good. I think Carolina's got a good system, but I don't think they have any great prospects. Uh, So untouchables I think it's going to be hard for Carolina to uh to make a deal that for a really good player that does not involve the 23 first round pick and that's okay if you give up the 23 first round pick to win a Stanley Cup to to really go for it what are we doing here I mean that ain't a big deal to me if you can witness if you could put yourself in grade a position to win a Stanley Cup you do it don't even ask questions. All right, final question. Hey, what's up, Adam? This is Dustin. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the trade deadline. Do you think the Canes move
0: on from some of their younger assets? Um, I think of two players in particular, Jarvis and Natchez. Um, Do you think maybe they include them in a package deal for
1: uh, maybe a veteran guy who has playoff experience Um, or maybe even a tough guy, someone like uh, Tom Wilson or Ryan Reeves, or Corey Perry, even. Um, One of those rat type of players who's just a pain in the ass to play against. Um, I think the Canes still need a little bit more toughness. Um, When I think of teams like Tampa and Washington and and teams like that,
0: they all seem to have players that are just big and strong and burly. And it still feels like the Canes are a little bit smaller, uh, particularly with uh, Jarvis and Natchez. Just want to get your thoughts.
1: All right, Dustin. Uh, let's, uh, let's deal with that, uh, the first part of that first, then we'll get to the burliness, uh, at the end. Um, Jarvis, definitely not. They love Seth Jarvis. Seth Jarvis will be on this team next year and the year after, and I think for a long time to come. Um, they actually think Jarvis might be able to play the middle. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I don't see him as a center. I see him more as a winger, but, um... I think a lot of people weren't sure Aho was a center, including the head coach, including three years ago when they first made the playoffs. Um, so Jarvis, definitely a piece of this team going forward. Natchez, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so he's due a contract after this year. He's a restricted free agent. I'm sure Carolina will try to convince them that A two-year deal or even a long-term deal at a low number is a great idea for Marty. You know, let's do eight times four and a half. That'll never happen. I think you could, if you could get Natchez on a, you know, three times four and a half or five, I think that would be great but I believe that they're going to use him as an asset. I think, he's, I think they're going to trade him in the offseason. Here's what I think Carolina needs to come out of. Like, if Jacob Chikrin does not get traded by Arizona in the at the deadline, that's who I think Carolina will go after in the offseason. And I think they could use Natchez to do it. If you were going to do something like that at the deadline, I don't think you'd use Natchez. I think you might use you might be able to use Kokaniemi to do that. Chikrin's got three years left after this year at a low number. Anyway, uh, I think Natchez will be used as part of a trade in the offseason. Uh, I think Jarvis is here to stay. And uh, remember, like I forgot to mention this. Jack Drury is a prospect. And I think Jack Drury is going to be a good player in this league. But I also think that if you could use Jack Drury as part of a trade to get something, I think you'd do it, as much as I think the kid's going to be really good. I mean, I think he could profile as high if he like if he ceilings it. I think his ceiling could be a number two center. You know, I think it's a more likely bet that he's a 3C. But I think Jack's got something. Um, and I know how much people in the organization like him. Um, but I also think that if you could get, if you if you need to use Drury to get yourself somebody, I mean, really good, somebody that can be a piece going forward, not just a rental, then yeah, I would uh, I would use that too. Uh, as for the burliness, I mean, you always like to have somebody else who can uh, stand up for his teammates, team toughness, but. Brendan Smith's on the roster. Ian Cole is here. Um, Jordan Martinook is here. It's just it's not as big a deal. Tony D'Angelo, when he's healthy, he's I mean, so I'm not I'm not really concerned about that. I do think that Carolina needs some a little bit of size up front, but not in the burly sense. Uh, but a forward, if if they were gonna add a forward for you know, supplemental scoring, depth scoring, blah blah blah, then you can get a guy who can throw his body around as well. Not not a Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves ain't going anywhere. The Rangers like Ron Reeves, so you know. And I'm not. I'm just going to use the name, the the player, but it doesn't have to be this player. A Brendan Lemieux with the Kings is a physical player who can finish a little bit. So if Carolina can find something like that, something somebody with a big body who can who throws his body around, then fine. Otherwise, I think that is less of a need, unless Natchez and Jarvis don't return to, to the scoring column, because they got to start scoring some goals. All right, I think I think we've wasted enough of everybody's time. We'll do this again on Tuesday after the game in Detroit. That will not be a, that will not be an easy game. The Red Wings are a team on the come, if you will. Uh, but they are uh, they are young, they are fast, and they have always seemed to give Carolina a little bit of problems. Although Anthony Mantha's in D.C. right now, so maybe uh, it won't be as big a deal. But they've got good young players, and that will not be easy. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Sammy his crew do a great job, so go check him out online for a free, no obligation estimate at aluminumcompany.com. And... Follow us wherever you get your podcast. It's the Canes Corner Podcast. Ask for it by name, and we're here after every Hurricanes game, and we'll do the, the mailbag again another time. I appreciate everybody participating, and until Tuesday night.
0: Bye. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALSportsBand.com or wherever you get your podcasts.